Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 7th of May 2023. What are you even doing here? Oh, don't worry about us. When Dole's back from his sheepdog trial, we'll be on our way. You can carry on grub herding. Not so fast. Why did it go for you? How did you get into the Greenwood? And why do you have a talking dog? That's a lot of questions. I'm a curious person. <laughs> Hello to all you lovely Big Finish listeners. Yes, I'm Benji Clifford and I'm back. Yes. He's Nick Briggs and, well, he never went away. (laughs) (laughs) This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Coming up in a moment, Benji and I catch up after what seems like forever. After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guide, known to some as the Good Review Guy. Really? Reviewing the reviews of The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Ravencliff Witch. Where do you think you're going, old girl? Huh? Where do you think you're going? Then we go behind the scenes with our latest Ninth Doctor Adventures, Pioneers, and a story entitled The Green Gift by Roy Gill and Pioneers is out this Wednesday the 10th of May I'm Helen Goldwyn and I'm the director of The Green Gift following that it'll be time for listeners emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com we open the magic inbox to discover what's on your mind mm. in our also available segment this week it's a very special Torchwood release Torchwood Among Us part one four great Torchwood tales starting with Aliens Next Door and this box set will be released this Thursday, the 11th of May. Torchwood used to deal with aliens. Now it's just a jumble of letters that if they're caught becomes another jumble of letters. Then the randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount beautifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. What will it be? Well... Here's a clue. Ooh. Welcome, the year's top pop sensation. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's the Ninth Doctor Adventures Pioneers, The Green Gift by Roy Gill. The Earth ended and it slipped your mind. The Earth is always ending, Callan. Sometimes it's solar flares, sometimes an ice age or stellar collision. Then there's wars, energy, famine, climate disasters. So much to look forward to. Well, your species is very destructive. Thanks. The Green Gift is a sort of (laughs) sequel follow-up to The Green Death. Ah, see see what you did there, see what you did there. Now, come on, memories of The Green Death. When did you first see it? Well, Green Death, for me, is a... um, it's one of those stories, it has legend status because it's the one that everybody talks about and Does they it? always record Does everybody it. talk about it? Well, people that have memories of Doctor Who that aren't necessarily Doctor Who fans per se ah. always say of that generation, they will always say, oh, I remember the one with the huge maggots. Yeah. And they always recall that. It's, yeah. it's a real common thing. And so I knew of the legend of the Green Death much before uh, I actually saw the green death and it was only i believe when it came out on the dvd of all things actually that i finally got a chance to watch it it was quite late on yeah because i just you know it's if if it wasn't on uk gold or if i couldn't find it on vhs then as far as i'm concerned it didn't exist and so it was quite late on when i saw it and of course it was brilliant i love i love that time in doctor who anyway um and you know some of the bits are a bit funny like you know the green screen is hilariously oh yeah 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 
But what I loved about it, not just because there was a character with the name Clifford, um, of course, <laughs> but uh, you know what makes all this stuff in Doctor Who so good is how serious everybody plays it, and how how they took it. You know, bear in mind that they mean the maggots are pretty frightening. Um, they they do actually look good, but it's. Still I, I the, love their movement, the way that sort of you know the, when it when it's yeah. sizing up before it jumps, even though there's bad CSO. I mean, it's spectacularly bad CSO. It's Barry Letts' favourite thing, was it? Well, we'll just put CSO over everything. Mm. You know no one's going to believe this. <laughs> you can do amazing you know, things with CSO. Mm, can you, though? <laughs> with your budget, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, although all those things aside, yes. um, everybody plays it so so absolutely yeah. seriously that you believe it. Like, you do watch it and you believe that there are threats and you believe in it. You know, it's, it's an awesome story. I, I really, it is an awesome story. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I have to say, of course, because of my age, when I first saw it, it was almost nothing that I was interested in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was about serious issues about, um, you know, a corporate control and, uh, you know, the environment. And when you're, I don't know, well, however old I was, sort of 10 or something, you just think, well, what is this about? I want to see Daleks chasing through the jungle, which I'd just been watching in, you know, <laughs> Planet of the Daleks. <laughs> And so for me, this and all the emotional stuff with Joe, you know, you know, Dr. Clifford Jones, all that stuff, the emotional stuff, I I didn't like I was a bit like Basil Brush. Basil Brush used to when there were ever there was a romantic bit in the story they read out in the Basil Brush show. Basil Brush was a puppet fox for anyone who doesn't know. He's going, <laughs> puh, puh, all that kissing and cuddling, puh, I hate it, I hate it. And when you're that age, you don't want to see and when Joe and Cliff, you know, uh, kissed i was like oh god no you yeah. don't get any of that really in doctor who in fact this no, is sort of the unusual. only time the only real time that you do i mean i have to say it'd be really somebody one of our listeners will will be able to pop in and immediately work this out but how many times does joe get offers from people to stay and because it's happened loads of times well it you certainly know. happened in planet of the daleks where last it happened it happened in another story as well it they happened. spend five minutes together he said will you marry me and come to an alien world with me <laughs> so, yeah well I'm, I'm, i know some people that probably would just say well, like yeah, leela right. leela stayed on gallifrey for some bizarre reason <laughs> yeah miserable what a miserable existence that must be um <laughs> but but you know i could i could see that the link with Clifford Jones and Joe Grant, I could see that working, you know, yeah, both yeah. fiercely, yeah. fiercely passionate about the environment and, and everything. But it was a cool, it was a cool story. Yeah, you know? and when the good news is, of course, when I grew up and saw it as an adult, I realised it, it's lovely. And I, I, frankly, I did rewatch it fairly recently. You know, like, like the green death that. itself, it, it, it has infected me and, and I'm, I'm fully <laughs> green now. <laughs> it's just there's a lot you know I mean we we can harp on about this for, for for England but you know there's a lot of comfort with watching all these stories you know even even as someone who didn't see them when I was you know 10 years old but like I I, ga I gain a lot of comfort watching these old Doctor Who's and it's just that I think it's just the time in Doctor Who that I feel the most connected with I suppose hmm. I don't know which is interesting because I was never actually a fan of the whole staying on earth unit thing like I'm much no, well, more I into... wasn't but actually I am now you know I wasn't at the time I thought why is he not in space doing stuff so it was I a thought, delight yeah. that's that's why I like that season I think because he does get off the earth again doesn't he but so this was very they... much back down to the thing that I didn't like so much 
is a very earthy is <laughs> to coin a phrase an earthy story, isn't it? Mm. Really, very fungusy story. Very fungusy. You know, my dad actually the other day he said not it's not Green Death related. He said, oh, I, said, I remember watching as a kid. I remember watching some story with massive ants. And I was like, ah, oh. I was like, I know, I know what you watched. A web play. Um, then I showed him a clip of it, and I was like, I think we can both agree it's probably better in your head. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's better oh, in anyone's dear. head. Bless if you've it. not if I you've not like watched it. the Green Death though, listeners, I'm sure most of you have because you're very well educated in your Doctor Who. But if somebody listening hasn't, it's well worth a go. Yeah, it's give well it a rewatch. A yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then have a listen to the Green Gift by Roy Gill. Do you see what you I did? Do a there, marathon. Bob? Somebody should do a marathon. Like watch it all in or one. Snickers. Watch, watch, <laughs> or an opal fruit. Um, no, that's a whole different. <laughs> type of candy um but yeah watch watch the green death go and have a cup of tea then watch the green gift hmm. or even listen to it yeah hmm. well i suppose after that lovely chat we should hmm. probably turn our opinions to see to see uh, what everybody else is saying so it's the yes. good review guide finding hmm. the latest positive comments about big finish productions to help recommend them for you and as promised, this week we're looking at Doctor Who, the Ravencliff Witch. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the Fourth Doctor Adventures, the Ravencliff Witch. Okay, I'm hearing some, some weird noises down here. I don't know if they're being picked up on the tape. And there's a light down the far end of the tunnel. Hello? Anyone down there? Hello? <coughs> What were we saying? Two members of personnel disappearing without a trace. Where do you think you're going, old girl? Huh? Where do you think you're going? Gordon Miles. I've heard him talking in the office. There have been sightings. Strange lights and... The witch. Have you ever seen her yourself? The stories go back a millennium at least. They wrote of a ghostly woman who would appear out to sea and along the shoreline. Over time, she acquired her name, the Ravencliff Witch. <gasps> what the places was that? <gasps> Bats! Oh. The kitchen silence! Oh. Quickly! Oh. Oh. Doctor, what can we do? You want to speak with the witch? We're about to have a seance. The whole world is in danger. You must think I was born yesterday. Big finish for the love of stories. What exactly are you a scientist of, anyway? Oh, this and that. Well, that fills me with confidence. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Ravencliff into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's all one word, Ravencliff. Yeah, without an E on the end. I keep wanting to put an E on. Yeah, I don't because my name's Clifford, so I just never think of that, you know. <laughs> good point. Good point. It's that that's a thing that only people with Clifford in their name will understand. It's a cliffism. Um <laughs> first off this one is I'll never forget when my dad once when we were on holiday, for some bizarre reason told a taxi got 
told a taxi guy that his name was Cliff Clifford. <laughs> I've always wanted to. If I ever go off grid, I'm just gonna just gonna call myself Cliff Clifford. Yeah, no one um, will recognise you. <laughs> well, first off, uh, whoreview.com uh, says uh, a great way to pass a couple of hours, and it's fun to hear Tom Baker in the kind of story in which we might usually hear his predecessor. Strong stuff. Interesting. Hmm, you think it's more of a John Pertwee story? It's a fun one. We love the story's setting evocative and its clever use of the sound mirrorism. Along with the sci-fi, Llewellyn's script has a strong family element to it. Trevor Cooper's Salt of the Earth lighthouse keeper Silas Keynes, or Kane, I can't remember what it's, how you pronounce it, is at odds with his daughter Amanda, Deli Seagal, who works at the power station. Then there's the rational scientist Celia Banks, Lucy Pickles, who becomes the Doctor's ally as the disappearances increase. Events build to a thoroughly satisfying conclusion, with no easy answers for those involved. It is another win for us. I'll tell you an inside fact. Go on. That someone in this story, some actor in this story, was playing two parts, <gasps> but they didn't sound sufficiently different. So it was in lockdown, and I just said, uh, I think I have to... So I play a part in this that was initially played by someone else that was sort of added in in post-production. I've done that a couple of times recently. Sneaky, a sneaky little bit of... They sound the same. But you're in the luxury position where you can do that if need be, which is always helpful because, you know, you want to... I think you want to preserve for listeners so that they can have the best experience by hearing, not getting confused. And the person was a very, very good actor. It's just that they... It was confusing. They more or less sounded like... But you never know until you get... That's the thing. You never know until you get in, in the booth... When, when you're doing multiple voices with people, whether it will work, really, because sometimes... There's always some, an element of risk, yes. Yeah, there, there is, and that's that's the nature of it. And I think even actors are aware of that, you know, mm. it's just part of it. Mm. But anyway, Peter Nolan, talking of actors, oh. Peter Nolan would know from blogtowho.com. <laughs> Peter Nolan's done countless voices. Do you know, sometimes when Peter Nolan's on the phone, people don't even know it's him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's just got that type of voice, you know. It's well, incredible. yeah, now that's an interesting point. If I could just go... Sorry, I'm just playing with things here and knocking the table. It's very annoying. Um, uh, we have found a voicemail on our home <gasps> line phone, right? Uh, and our phone doesn't tell us when there's a message, but we found it. It was left last Friday from a man called Brian who says, Hi, Nick and Steph. Have you got the invitation to the wedding? We hope to see you there. Lots of love. Brian. And it's a voice we don't recognise. I've tried the only Brian I know. I, I contacted, in fact, I know his partner, Jane, and I contacted and I said, God, you, so you and Brian are going to get um, <laughs> married. That's brilliant. We haven't received the invitation. And she wrote back and she said, darling, I'd have to get divorced first before I got married. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not them. We've no, and I listened to the voice. Steph said to me, my wife said to me, "You'll recognise the voice when you hear it. I'm sure you will." She said, "He's got a northern accent." I listened to it. He hasn't got a northern accent at all. <laughs> yeah, so my wife's not very really good at hearing accents. Um, yeah, he just sounds like someone from down here, down in the southwest of England. Um, Maybe it is somebody local, but he knows our names. Maybe somebody local, you know. But Brian I don't from know the fishmongers or something? I don't know anyone called Brian who's, who would invite me to a wedding. If you're listening and your name's Brian and you've invited Steph and me to a wedding, could you get in touch by email or something? <laughs> I hope it's Brian Murphy. Brian who? But Brian Murphy. 
That'd be brilliant. That'd be From a turn George and Mildred. Yeah. <laughs> or Man About the House. Anyway, no. sorry to interrupt Peter Nolan's uh, review. It's probably my... Peter Nolan playing a joke, isn't it? Well, that's why I think it, it is, because, yeah. you know, he's great with the voices, isn't he? Well, sometimes, you know, he, even he doesn't recognise himself in the mirror. He's that good of an actor. <laughs> Um, but Peter Nolan says the pairing of Neris Hughes and Tom Baker works fantastically well it's a combination that gives the story its heart and makes the fourth Doctor Adventures feel incredibly fresh for a strand now in its 11th series although they've only met and they immediately start to form a uh, the kind of friendship that the Doctor hasn't had since Sarah Jane. It's no wonder that a return visit to Ravencliff is already on the cards due to the pair's chemistry. The Ravencliff which paradoxically proves that companionless adventures for the Fourth Doctor can work, whilst simultaneously illustrating how effective this type of companion relationship can be. A potent SF twist, that must be sci-fi, mm -hmm. on folk horror and disaster movie mainstays. It's the starting line for a whole new era. It's a lovely piece of work, that script, actually. Uh, DoctorWhoReviews.net, uh, Brian, oh, sorry, Kyle, uh, <laughs> says, uh, Once again, uh, the generally strong pacing and sound design combine superbly to create a brisk and wholly engrossing experience, and Tom Baker takes full advantage of the extra time in the spotlight without a true companion at his side to showcase his seemingly limitless energy and charisma as the Doctor's curiosity, determination and affability are on full display. That's a record-breaking sentence. I mean, Certainly that is. was all one sentence. That's a four-liner. One, two, three, four, five, I think you'll find. Five <coughs> liner. And even then, it's got an ellipsis. It's technically it's, yeah, not it's a... It's still going. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Uh, with a strong central mystery and a nice balance of scares and action interspersed with more intimate moments, the Ravencliff Witch is another strong outing for the fourth Doctor Avengers that definitely overcomes the lack of companion and keeps the bar high for the second half of this series due out later this year. Blimey. You've gone, you've gone red. You just do. <laughs> You just don't have enough breath to read that out. Well done, Kyle. You nearly killed me. Uh, four, <laughs> that was your plan all along. Uh, four stars or uh, stubbing toe um, action. There we go, Kyle. If you check the post, we'll send you some full stops. Um, and on Twitter, Telos32. Uh, the TARDIS lands at Ravencliff, a town on the English coast in the shadow of a newly built power station. Uh -oh. And that just happens to be haunting. <laughs> There's the owl. Very good story featuring my favourite doctor. There we go. Something new from the Good Review Guy next week. But so far, it's top secret. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and we go behind the scenes with Torchwood Among Us. Part one, plus the randomoid selectatron giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected big finish release. What will it be? Well, you just have to see. Hmm. Uh, but first, let's go behind the scenes with the Ninth Doctor Adventures pioneers and Chris Eccleston starring in The Green Gift. I'm Helen Goldwyn and I'm the director of The Green Gift. We're going to have a go at scene seven. And cue. This is more like it. Proper spaceship. The hub is the Greenwoods Command Centre. The environmental and archive sections all radiate out from here. Like slices of cake around a donut. 
I suppose. What's a donut? Sticky, especially if it's jam. So the green gift is a lovely mixture of ideas from the classic series of Doctor Who and also from the modern Doctor Who because we've got a reappearance of an old Doctor Who enemy, The Boss, from the 1970s series. Oh, The Boss! Biomorphic Organisational System Supervisor! It's been a long time since Lamferfach and Global Chemicals. Global became interstellar, but otherwise we continue. We are the very definition of a successful legacy business. You're an anachronism. Hi, I'm Roy Gill, and I'm the writer of this episode, The Green Gift. The Green Death is a classic Who story in every sense, really. It gives us some vivid, spooky images, the giant maggots crawling over the mine workings, people infected with their glowing green veins. And the maggots and the Green Death are sort of metaphorical manifestations of pollution in that story. But the real villain of the piece is Boss, the manipulative supercomputer that will always put the company and profit over people. Christopher Eccleston, and I'm playing the Ninth Doctor. I'm Louise Jameson, and I'm playing Fiacra, who's a captain of a ship and also an AI. Delivery will occur when the Earth is ready. Who decides when that is exactly? There are many parameters. The optimum time must be calculated. You didn't answer my question. (laughs) Wow, this is a complex one. And very beautiful idea of, initially, the idea that Earth has failed and that before Earth failed, all the precious biodiversity of Earth has been taken off planet and into space and will return at some point to replenish Earth. However, there is a sinister force at work as ever. Which the sinister force is capitalism, really, whereby all the uh, good nutrients have been as you say, extracted from Earth in order to replenish at some point. But but the ship is refusing to land until it can be put back on Earth and a huge profit made. Uh, so nothing to do with generosity. Yeah. and It's all to do with entrepreneurialism. Mm. It's such a joy to bring people together that you know are going to really rise to the occasion because they're both such fantastic actors and in the scenes where they were sparring off each other you felt something so electric and tangible in the in the room because they're they're just mighty mighty actors we knew we wanted to bring louise in to work with chris but we knew it probably wasn't going to work with her as Leela, so we thought it would be fun to to have her come in and be fiacre and uh yeah it worked out really well My family have served the Greenwood in this way across the generations. It's a role we've been honoured to play. Never been too keen on inherited power as a rule. Bit of change does you good. That's why you should welcome new arrivals, new perspectives. As I say, the system is advisory. All voices are valued. Even that of a Time Lord. What? Did you say? In this story, something I talked about with uh, Matt Fitton, the script editor, was this sense that the Doctor, when he's touring the Greenwood with Fiacre, he's almost in the role of a, a parent interviewing a teacher. 
Fiacre wants to know if she can justify adding someone new into this resource-limited world, and the Doctor just turns that back round to her and says, no, you're the one who's got to prove you're good enough to me. I had to uh, approach her technically, which I don't normally do. I normally work inside out, but I had to go outside in and uh, went all over Great Britain trying to find an accent that mm. suited her. Because I'm working out of Leeds a lot now and I'm surrounded by Yorkshire accent all the time, I thought this is something I can do technically and I can also connect emotionally in a short space of time. So that's why I settled on that as an accent. It also made a nice... Uh, different because the, a lot of the listeners will be very used to my voice as Leela, so we needed to find something that would um, pull away from that, stop them thinking of this voice mm. as Leela. So again, technically, we we I could move away from that. This is a good place, Callan. Hurry up! All right, Daff lad, we'll come in. Nine hundred years of time travel. Never had to land so often. I don't know about you, but I was stunned when I got the email for like the same character. Yeah, I think it was just really nice to to have another crack at it as well because we it felt like we had a really good like team before yeah. we were putting it all together and really nice rapport in the first place and even starting it again just doing a few scenes it's felt that we're just bouncing off each other once again. Yeah, because it's been it's been a long time since we did the first one, but yeah, and we we were saying outside, like, oh, can we remember how we even sounded as the as the characters? We thought. Yeah, especially playing a dog as well. I was <laughs> like, am I definitely hitting the right tone? But yeah, no, it's been brilliant. It's yeah. Been brilliant. Oh, I was so thrilled to see that uh, we were getting Callan and Doyle back again for this episode because we loved them so much in the previous episode featuring them, also by Roy Gill. And in fact, after we did that recording, because Harkey and Adam were so brilliant in those roles, we all agreed that we would love to see those those characters again. So it was great to read this script and think, oh, they're back. And then not only are they back, but they're just as brilliant as they were before, if not better, because the dynamic and the understanding of the, that relationship between Callan and, and Doyle is, has evolved. And uh, that really showed today. Callan and Doyle first appeared in Red Darkness, my story for the end of the previous series of the Ninth Doctor Adventures. Callan's a teenager, he's partially sighted, Doyle's his dog, he's a collie dog with an AI-enhanced collar that allows him to talk and to help Callan out. Uh, they're best friends, basically. Their colony world was attacked by a form of fashion in Arada, and Callan lost pretty much everyone apart from his dog. It's quite a dark story, really. The Doctor rescues them, takes them away from there, and as we hear in The Green Gift, uh, they've been bouncing around together for a wee while as the Doctor recovers from the events of Red Darkness. Just go to bigfinish.com and type pioneers into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's out on the 10th of May. Oh, it's a Wednesday as well. And don't forget, you can hear a free 15-minute drama tease of The Green Gift at the end of this podcast. Meanwhile, it's time for... Listener's email. That's right, and whether it's a Wednesday, a Saturday, a Sunday, a Monday, or a Tuesday, you can send your emails over to us at podcast at bigfinish.com. And if you do, well, we might read them out. But of course, you'll only ever hear it on a Sunday, because that's when the podcast is out, you see. It's, you see, it's just, you know... Could well, listen on another day. Well, you can certainly try. We've got this first email here from Juamina Medlich, who is from Lebanon. And the subject of this one is Thoughts on War Stories. 
Dear Nick and Benji, I hope you're both well and enjoying this long-awaited springtime. Not half, it's lovely outside. Um, In the April 16 podcast, you asked us our thoughts about war movies, and I had to write in. I have a particular point of view because war made up my entire childhood, which is as scarring as you would guess, yet I remain fascinated by war stories. I say stories because I'm careful with war movies as they are so realistic now that the sound effects alone are too much for me. But the realism and bleakness are laudable in showing war for the horrific mess it is. And I think that these movies and stories are important. If this is the only way certain people learn anything about history, then they have to be made and they have to be talked about. You mentioned in your discussion that there were young people in Europe today who were not aware of the Holocaust. I find that both shocking and terrifying. Erasing war from conversation is not going to erase actual war. It only makes people incredibly naive and unprepared and terribly unempathetic, if that's a real word. I believe it. Is it? Is it a real word? We don't know. I don't know, but that's what she's asking. It's, it's underlined in it's underlined in red, but I, I mean, it's it's like one of those words that is and isn't real. You but know? we know, but we know what she means exactly. I do enjoy older movies that recount military operations without being graphically realistic. Example: A Bridge Too Far, great film, uh, and those that focus on non-combat aspects of conflict and fiction too. I can't be on the topic without bringing up all the big Finnish stories set in the Time War, which are always on my priority list, and strike quite a lot of notes. For the longest time, I thought my interest in these was some kind of Stockholm Syndrome that I should keep to myself, but what I realised recently is that war is simply my story, the one story I can fully identify with. If you live through a war, it's always going to be the defining thing in your life. And without war movies, stories, historical or fictional, people like me would simply not be represented. Our experience would not be reflected to us, and we'd never be able to talk about it. And there are many more of us that anyone realises. So anyway, I was glad you brought this up when you did. Not an enjoyable subject but compelling for good reasons. Please carry on being yourselves and telling brilliant stories. Warmly, Juamina. Oh, God, that's so good. That's it really, that's a really, that. it's a really sort of, yeah, it hits you, doesn't it? Sort of. Yes, I'm quite moved by that. Yeah. Um, and that's, I suppose that's a key thing. Not an enjoyable subject, but compelling. That's the thing, isn't it? So, yeah, you're sort of compelled by it but you're not sort of sitting there kind of grinning from ear to ear saying, oh, this is so lovely. <laughs> you know, that's, thanks so much for writing in. Really it's about stories, it. isn't it? It's about, you know, you, whether they're necessarily fully accurate or not. Keeping the stories and the spirit of the stories alive is important because it reflects people's lives. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and obviously, obviously you don't tell a complete lie in a, in a film, but I think that... You're, you're so right in saying like the spirit of the story is important otherwise it will just people will completely sort of disassociate and forget about it and not be fully aware but no fantastic email and um yeah really really poignant right this one is from andy jeffs all sorts of everything 
what Andy says. Like a jumble sale of an email. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Hello, boys. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Hi there. Uh, right, where to start? Hmm, well, some time ago I asked Nick if there was any prospect of Big Finish Doctor Who turning up in the seventh dimension which is a Radio 4 Extra uh, segment about sci-fi. And lo and behold, it turns up... uh, uh, Sorry, I can't even read. Sorry, Andy. And lo and behold, up turns the Tenth Doctor and also the War Doctor within a week or two of me asking. Coincidence, of course. Or just possibly amazing customer service. (laughs) But anyway, very satisfying. Yes, I think I probably knew, Andy. I just couldn't say at the time. Uh, (laughs) Canon and Doctor Who, which you discussed a few weeks ago. Well, of course, Canon is all... Well, there's a word here he's written with some asterisks in, which is um, uh, there's a B uh, and there's a couple of L's and a K and a C, yeah, by the way, in like my humble cow. opinion, he says. Yes. I was going to say like cows. Cow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll just move straight on. It's the experimental nature of the programme, uh, as it was originally conceived, that for me makes the idea of canon a bit limiting. Big Finish are masters of experimenting with the concept, in inverted commas, of what Doctor Who can be, and long may it continue. Torchwood's Black Knight, an excellent yarn. I think it's only Doctor Who fans who use the word yarn, isn't it? You know, when they're talking about... Because they're so fed up with writing the word stories or tales. It's a cracking yarn. yarn. Although, no, come to think of it, I I remember the Daily Mirror's film reviews always say, a cracking yarn. I remember reading that in my grandmother's Daily Mirror and thinking, what is a yarn and why is it cracking? Does it need repairing? I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, Andy continues, I'm not a follower of Torchwood on TV or audio, but this Quatermass-type tale is given a Torchwood twist by Norton and uh, makes and make it by turns amusing, desperate and sad. 10 out of 10. There's a quick review of Black Knight there. That's nice. Uh, UFO. Now, here's the thing. Uh, when are we going to see the new cast in their Century 21 fashions on the cover of a box set? Excellent series. I like the way bits of plot from various original episodes are slotted together. You have used Schroeder as the name for the psychologist who was called Jackson, I think, which did seem odd given his accent, but I liked it as a kid because it seemed it uh, to be him trying to hide his past. Uh, Nick, your portrayal of Schroeder is on the button. Ha <laughs> thank you very much. It is the most ridiculous voice I do for Schroeder, and I always feel slightly embarrassed doing it. But uh, the last time I did it, I think Barnaby Kay who, uh, and the rest of the cast were sort of going, come on, Nick, it's fine, keep going, <laughs> keep going. So I don't know whether the voice is too crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of goes a sort of nays, I like that. Um, a great mixture of sinister and knowing more than he is saying. Hmm, I wish that were true of me. And now, if I may be so bold, what I remember about Ed Straker was that he was cool and distant, except in extremists. This version seemed to be pitched around the level of Straker giving the communications officer a dressing down in the first TV episode. Where is cool, Ed? I think you're wrong. I think if you watch it again, he's pretty wound up the whole time. It's like he's just got to fly off the handle. And that's what Barnaby Kay, who plays our, our cool Ed, uh, has sort of focused on. 
The portrayal of Alec Freeman is nicely done, making him avuncular and thoughtful, which is where the character was heading in the TV series after a rather misogynist start. Yeah, it is outrageous. We made mention of that in the extras on UFO. You just think, Alec Freeman, stop it with the weird comments about women. <laughs> um, oh, very. Anyway, yeah, uh, Samuel Clemens is making a great job of playing the part, I think. Paul Foster is glorious. Such a bloke, albeit an intelligent bloke. Even on audio... You can see that hairy chest. I bought both box sets and have listened to both two or three times now. Uh, uh, Really having a problem reading today. Uh, Looking forward to the next set. Uh, Just by the by, when I was a kid, I got to sit in both shadow cars. That's cool. That That is cool. Blooming cool. I saw one one of those little conventions we went to at L Street, Benji, there was... They they have the the sort of shadow like minibus things outside. You know those things, those tiny little. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't sit in it, but I did stand there and just sort of look at it lovingly. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we went to one of those. There was there was uh, the mini mokes. I think were there from the prisoner. They were, yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love those events. They're very good actually. And interestingly, look, he says, "Be seeing you, Andy." Ah. Thank you, Andy. Um, do you know, uh, the sad thing is there may not be any more UFO from us because um, our, our licence ends soon and, uh, and it may, may not be, it may be that ITV are not in the mood for renewing licences, which is a huge shame because I've loved working on it. But I'll have a chat with them, see what they think. Have a word, have a word. Oh, we've got one more here, which mm. is from Andy Palmer. The subject is Paradoxical Podcast. <laughs> uh, hello, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. Just a short missive to say how much I appreciate the Big Finish podcast. Oh, thank you. For a number of years now, it's been the start to many a Sunday morning. Well, well in which case, you know, have a lovely breakfast. <laughs> um, brush your teeth. Um, uh, walking my miniature... I can never say this word. Dachshund? Dachshund. 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 Yeah. Oh, look, well, let's look it up, how to pronounce Dachshund. I the don't Dachshund. think you say Dachshund. I think it's Dachshund, isn't it? I can. I don't know. I don't know. It's one well, of those, that's what I'm saying. Look it things. up. <laughs> anyway. Dachshund. Yeah, da- it is Dachshund. Is it, you've just Dachshund. heard it, have you? Yes. Oh, you've looked it up already. Dachshund is how you say it. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. I can. It's coming through loud and clear. Oh, perfect, perfect. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, you know what he's walking. Walking my miniature dachshund uh, the other Sunday. I realised how much I value that the podcast is ad-free, whilst paradoxically being one big advert for Big Finish Productions. Yeah, it's funny Correct. that, isn't it? It's, it's just an advert. That. The whole thing, yes, and you can get your big finish coupons um, only from it's the subliminal image. messages all the time. Buy, buy it, buy. It's like that music you they used to do in um, sorry, what's that? in supermarkets. You know, where in the background, it was all designed to make you want to shop more. Really? Yeah. yeah How does yes. that music go? Could you simulate it for us now? Oh, there's yeah, I could do a little bit. It kind of goes, you know. And I just the bought three things all... as a result <laughs> of that. Yes, how was the Marmite? Um, dear, oh dear. Not as good um, as the Bovril. <laughs> uh, not half. Um, many thanks for your company and stories on Sunday mornings. Kind regards, Andy. Andy, that's very kind. That's it for the emails. We look forward very much. 
to reading more out next week. Patrick Moore? <laughs> well, yes, Saturn's uh, Uranus. <laughs> there he is, there he is. Uh, as always, the Randomoid Selector John is, I'm accurately informed, warming up at this very moment, preparing to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Mm. Uh, we'll also be teasing you with the first 15 minutes of the ninth Doctor adventure, The Green Gift. Mm. Uh, but first, let's go behind the scenes with this week's exciting Torchwood release, Torchwood Among Us Part 1, and a story entitled... Aliens Next Door. Here's director Scott Hancock to give us some context. Hello, my name is Scott Hancock and I am the director of Aliens Next Door. Tortured are sort of in the same place we left them in our last box set where they were on the run from the DRC and they've all gone their separate ways really to hide out undercover. Some have gone missing entirely, some have gone to different corners of the globe, some are in touch with each other, some are on their own. But where we return in this story is to find Eng and Orr um, laying low on an English council estate in the middle of nowhere. Seemingly quite normal, inoffensive, neighbourhood curtain twitches, that sort of environment, but there's something much darker going on behind the scenes. It's interesting, one of the reasons these sets have taken a while to come out is James's original plan for the Among Us arc was a global pandemic. Naturally, as events developed, we decided against pursuing that narrative, and so things were tweaked slightly. We, we've now got this uh, strange voice on the telephone guiding events which we will learn more about as the stories progress but it's, it's interesting looking back at the sort of paranoia an internalized uh, perspective that can develop within a close-knit community which i think some of us sort of discovered in lockdown that that idea that we take our social cues from other people and we can look at certain individuals around us and if they're not conforming with sort of social regulations, it can be quite disarming. It's been a very weird time for all of us. And I think it, it's interesting coming back to a script like this and seeing how much it tapped into that unwittingly. The good thing about Tortured as a format is it can be extremely uncompromising in the subject matter it tackles. And James is very good at choosing the subjects he wants to focus on and, and finding writers who will deliver on that. A lot of conversations, James and I, about how we tackle things like that, whether we should tackle things like that, making sure, because they'll have an impact, that that impact is, is worth the content. And we have a lot of conversations about when to pull away from things. Less is often more. This story did have a lot of scenes that were difficult to record because of the nature of the material. And... There's a responsibility there, not just to the script and the drama, but also to the actors. So we're always very careful to ensure that the, the scripts don't go too far. But also, even before we cast people, we make them aware of what sort of materials involved. You know, it's a collaborative thing. We will change things on the day if anybody's uncomfortable with the material. Um, they are, in a way, a reflection of our audience, and we want to make sure that... If we're doing something, there is a point to it. Is that really what's going on here? Doesn't sort the recycling. I could be in Cannes, on a yacht, 
with two oligarchs and an influencer. Well, I don't think he washes out his yoghurt pots either. Call the shadow proclamation. I'm Samantha Bayart and I play Or. So the aliens next door, where to begin? Um, <laughs> it's a real sort of documentary piece, I feel, for, for Torchwood. So the aliens in this episode aren't from outer space, but are in your cul-de-sac. And it's um, a cautionary tale, I feel, about gossip and hearsay and all the bad things that we're living with the results of right now. Super current, relevant, not much speculation in this brand of speculative fiction. Feels very real and uh, very much, yeah, of its time, which is just before second lockdown. Out there, just now, what did you feel? <laughs> Righteousness, hatred for the unlike, uncontrolled rage. And before I passed out, I felt lust. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Torchwood Among Us into the search pane at the top to find this one. Great stuff. Uh, just a reminder that we'll be drama teasing you with the ninth Doctor adventure, The Green Gift, at the end of this podcast. Stay tuned for that. Oh, I've lost my place. I'm you so always sorry. do at this point. It's really weird. You always it's, lose it's your I'm, place at this point. It's, it's because I'm getting the random word selection uh, ready. That's see. why, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the meantime... It's <laughs> the randomoid selector job, he said with a chortle in his voice, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. God, that, that took a turn. <laughs> what have well, we got? It's a, it's a cracker. 178 Doctor Who 1963. Uh... Fanfare for the common man. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a cool story this one is. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Great cover as well. I love that sort of. Uh, oh, it's with, wicked! With Peter Davison walking across Abbey Road. Yeah. Real. I, I, I would say this controversially is one of the iconic Big Finish stories. Actually, I think it's just a really cool, really cool, slightly different story. Yeah. Um, from it's directed by Barnaby, isn't it? Yeah, because it's got music in it. So he, yeah. There's there's songs and stuff in this. Yeah, nice. Howard Carter's done the music. Well, it's Big Finish's answer to uh, the Beatles, isn't it? With the, the common men. Exactly. Who, who are mentioned in the, uh, An Unearthly Child, the first episode of Doctor Who. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, 1963. Fanfare for the common men. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the year's top pop sensation. This is what I was talking about, Nissa. Why is everyone making so much noise, Doctor? We can't even see them yet. This is what the Beatles inspired in people. Good grief. What is it, Doctor? It's not there. Who are these Beatles, then? Are they another group? Yes. Are they any good? You must have heard of them. Nobody's as good as the common men. The common men! Landed us in the wrong place, have you, Doctor? No, 31st of October 1963. This is definitely right. Something is very, very badly. Get down! Cheers, we've been the common men and will continue to be so tomorrow. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Uh, who else in the. David Dobson, who I've worked with quite often. I love him. He's great. That's reminding me, I must, must get him in. Oh, Alison Thea Scott. I haven't employed her for a while. Mitch Ben was in it. Who's cool a great cat. singer and composer and 
comedian, often touring around the country. Huge Doctor Who fan. I knew he'd been... He's, there was a big finish I was involved in that he was in where we kept having to stop him from doing all the voice effects himself. You know? <laughs> he was doing reverse reverb. He was going... You know, no, no, Mitch, cool honestly, cat. we'll do that later. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. He's a bit of a legend, is Mitch. Very nice. Um, very nice. Very nice, Mitch. Well very done. Very nice, very nice. Very nice. Uh, listen, uh, uh, while I emailed Jackie Emery, the content manager at Big Finish... Uh, to inform of her, of, her, of, her, of, her, of the random selection um, so that she can set it live on the bigfinish.com website just in case you didn't know that Benji how would you like to you know since you're back for the first time in you know possibly ages we can't remember the last time you presented the podcast how would you like to go about telling listeners how to get their discount well I was thinking about doing it in a sort of completely made up language Oh, yeah. um, which people help. have to decipher, you know, with, in their own magical way. Um, Mot the wanted a honk. Um, but, what? Um, well, I don't know, it's made up. Um, but um, no, I'll just, I'll just, I'll tell it straight for, for this oh, one. okay. You know, it's, you know, I could sing it. I could sing it in the style of the Beatles, but, you know. What, your Paul McCartney? Well, hey, you know, I could do it like that, you know, straight off, you know, just go, hey. Just go to bigfinish.com. It's a great little website, you know. Head over there straight to the podcast page, you know. It's great. There's a picture of me there. And I'm actually slightly smaller than Nick, which I'm I'm actually going to write in and see if we can get that changed because, you know, I just think, you know, once we're in there, head to read more. Once you're in there, it's great. Head down. It says, just click here and enter the code. Book up, you know, book up, which is a great song. I wrote all the lyrics and all the music. But it's no spaces. That was a bit that I put in, actually. Linda was talking to me. And she said, why don't we have no spaces between the words? So I said, hey, you know, book up. B-U-C-K-U-P. Ended that in, you know, do. And then you'll get your discount 25% off. You know, it's great. It's fantastic. I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. Thanks, Paul. Uh, uh, what a lovely choice. What a lovely choice. Nice, nice. Uh, next week's podcast features The War Doctor Begins, Comrades in Arms, starring that lovely man, Jonathan Carley. We should get him in. Get You've him in on the podcast. We've got to get him on the podcast, haven't we? He'd do it. He'll definitely do it. Yes. We must do that. Jonathan, if you're listening, let's talk. And a blast from Russell T. Davis's past, Dark Season, Legacy Rising. It was his first oh. TV thing, and we're doing a audio thing <laughs> of it, and it'll be out next week. Is that? that it'll is be exciting. good. It will be good. Uh, check that one out. Well, thanks for listening, folks. This edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs, who wrote, produced, and edited it. There's a little note there for us to uh, improvise, but I think it's from last week's script. So, uh, yeah. so <laughs> make when it, it up says as I we wrote go along. this podcast. I wrote it badly. Is is what we're. Uh, <laughs> he wrote it. No, I think it's. I think it's. It's the fact that you you did the whole thing in reverse is, is amazing. That we managed to read it out like we have. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, no, we yeah. recorded it in reverse, and I've edited it the right way around. So um, you, 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 you get we get money's worth with Briggsy. Thank you. We did end up doing a bit of improv there anyway. Um, yumba I'm sorry, Doctor. What was that? Um, and of course, Benji and I did this for the love of stories. 
That was rubbish. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who Pioneers, The Green Gift by Roy Gill. There's grass. Real grass. And birds. Full of feathers and pride. Oh, it's fine to stretch my legs and run. This is a good place, Callan. Hurry up. All right, daft lad. We're coming. 900 years of time travel. Never had to land so often. An emergency materialisation just because of your dog. Hey, be fair. It can hardly go inside. There's a whole forest down one of those TARDIS corridors. Hundreds of trees. He could take his pick. Not the same, though, is it? Back in a moment. Don't go too far, Doyle. So, where are we now? And don't say time is relative. It is, though. Well, relative to me, then. Forward. We were heading to Earth when your furry pal started scratching the door. Coordinates may have slipped a little. What do you reckon? Air's clean. It's all a bit lush. If this is Earth, they've tidied it up since I left. Vegetation fits Earth standard. These crops are from similar biomes, but geographically distant. So... cultivated. Brought together in one big farm. Very big and very green. Reminds me of Cal Yard 5. Hey, can't we get back in the TARDIS? Try again? What about that waterfall planet? It was the right laugh. Later. Have you noticed the sky's all wrong? Uh, not exactly. Wrong how? Angle of incidence at the horizon. Colour saturation. All subtly off. You can see all that. It's easy if you know what to look for. There's a periodic flicker in the refresh rate. That's not what I meant. You're missing the point, Callan. I'm telling you, this sky is artificial. These fields, they're all under one roof, like a gigantic greenhouse. Seriously? But why build a fake sky? Don't know yet. Could help maintain seasonal cycles, redistribute solar energy. Hold on. If this is all indoors, what happened outside? Good question could be a hostile environment. This whole place might be one big survival chamber. Future Earth's gone bad, so they brought all the plants in. Animals, too, going by that bird Doyle scared up. And where is he? Doyle! Doyle! Here comes trouble. Danger, Callan! Danger! Hey, hey, what's the matter? Big, wormy, squirmy earth grabber heading this way. How big is big, exactly? Big enough to bite you, Doctor. OK, that is big. Don't worry, I'll protect you. What is it? Some kind of grub, and we don't need protecting. It's probably harmless. It's got teeth like a fox. Don't be daft. Those jaws are for turning over leaf mulch. It's a useful part of this ecosystem, your basic soil enricher. Whoa. Yeah, with very bad breath. Stinks of mould and hunger. On the other hand, sick animals go for easy food. Its diet may have changed. You mean your helpful grubbers term carnivorous? It's a possibility. Let's give it some space. Ah! Oh, this is bad. Back off! Don't touch my callus! Oh, this place is wrong. If this is your Earth, Doctor, you can keep it.
There's a dog. She got a girl with her. Show me, Doyle. She's circling the group. Her fur is black and white, like mine. Bolivia. The girl, not the dog. Oh, all right. Moves fast, spreads light, eyes bright and curious. Jacket smells of wool and lavender. Bit worn out though, needs patching. Hey, bit personal. Talking dog. Sorry, he's like that. I'm the doctor. This is Callan Lennox. How can we help? Can your dog hurt? Or does he just stand around berating? Doyle can do anything. Can't you, boy? Good. Get him to follow my dog. They can drive the grub back together. Callan. Go on. You have permission. I'm on it. Walk up, Lyca. Away. Away. It's working. The grub's going. Crawling back into the trees. Nice bit of teamwork, that. Lyca knows what to do. She'll take it back to the hatchery. Hatchery? That thing's a baby. It's a grub. Of course it's a baby. Turns into a ground beetle. Makes sense. Typical life cycle. Grub's the stage before the pupae. Really? At what stage do they try and eat people? They don't. They're usually pretty gentle. Don't tend to grow so big. That gentle giant nearly took a chunk out of my arm. Just as well me and Lyca came along and rescued you, eh? We didn't need rescuing. We're grateful, believe me. What's your name? Tay Lothlo. I'm a biohabitat guardian. Thank you, Tay Lothlo. Consider us well guarded. Hold on. What are you even doing here? Oh, don't worry about us. When Dole's back from his sheepdog trial, we'll be on our way. You can carry on grub herding. Not so fast. Why did it go for you? How did you get into the Greenwood? And why do you have a talking dog? That's a lot of questions. I'm a curious person. This is what we do, is it? When we herd earth grabbers. I understand. I get it. Very sci-fi. Is that what you and your human do all the time? Not saying much, do you? There's an AI in Doyle's collar. Translates for him. Means he can help with stuff. Things I don't see. Good dog you've got there. He's my best friend. His collar got broken a while back, but the doctor repaired it. He rescued us both. No big deal. Just doing what I do, travelling about, dropping in, trying to fix things. You're an engineer, doctor? I know my way round a screwdriver. That's good. Plenty of things need fixing around the Greenwood. Uh, the Greenwood is this farm? No, this is Agrarian Zone Alpha. Didn't you get our call sign on approach? Must have slipped under the radar. Terrible habit of mine. The Greenwood is the ship. Ship? As in space ship? We're in space? Well, yeah. Doctor? Well, I said there was a hostile environment outside. Doesn't get much tougher. Oh, come on. You reckon we'd landed in a greenhouse? We did, a big floating one. This habitat must supply food and oxygen cycling for a large crew. Grow your own and you don't have to waste fuel making planetfall. It's a good philosophy, very eco-minded. Wait, how do you not know all this? Flight plan change, unscheduled landing. I take it you don't get many visitors. <laughs> not like you lot. Where's the ship, uh, the Greenwood? I mean, where's it going? We return to Earth, bearing the fruit of the Greenwood, for Earth is the mother of the forest, the mother of us all. Clever old TARDIS, spotting a shortcut. We're piggybacking the last few light years. I'll get you home yet, Callan. Earth isn't my home, Doctor. I barely remember it. That's more than me. I've never been. Oh. All right, then maybe I could show you around? Oh, here we go. When we land, I mean, if it hasn't changed too much. You'll be lucky. Just a suggestion. 
If you don't want to, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I've only known the Greenwood. I was born here and I expect to die here too. Don't say that. It's all right. It's proper. For long is the journey of the gift givers and sacred is our trust. Very poetic. What does it mean? It means this is a generational spaceship. Crew duties handed down parent to child. That's right, isn't it, Tay? The gift won't be given in our lifetime. We all accept that. And what gift would that be, exactly? Everything around you. All the treasures from old Earth. We carried them to the stars and kept them safe. I haven't seen any treasures. Just fields. Exactly. Crops, birds, animals, trees, biodiversity. The greatest treasure of all. This is not just provisions. It's a storehouse for the future. This is just one biozone. Grasslands and deciduous forest. There are five others. Everything you need to start again. The gift of the Greenwood. on the mucus trail. I see him like it. Is he a good human? Oh, like that. <laughs> I've spotted something. Two hurt the dogs. They may have found a friend. Yes, target located. <clears throat> Don't worry, old girl. I'll deal with this thing. It should never have got out. You know what I don't get? Why wasn't the gift safe on Earth? What happened? Some disaster. I've kind of lost track. Hazard of being a time traveller. You don't remember? The Earth ended and it slipped your mind? The Earth is always ending, Callan. Sometimes it's solar flares, sometimes an ice age or stellar collision. Then there's wars, energy, famine, climate disasters. <sighs> so much to look forward to. Well, your species is very destructive. Thanks. Ever so. The good thing is, you're inventive too. You keep finding ways to fix things, to make good and start over. All it takes is a little honest cooperation. Speaking of which, that Tay's coming back. Now's your chance to build some bridges. Uh, not sure she likes me that much. She doesn't know you yet. There's plenty of time to mess things up. Doctor? Tay Lothler, how's it going? Are we granted an audience? Yeah. Did we get an invite to the captain's table? Certainly hope so. Wore my best jumper. You two are so strange and different. We do our best, don't we, Callan? Fiacra will see you now. This is more like it. Proper spaceship. The hub is the Greenwoods Command Centre. The environmental and archive sections all radiate out from here. Like slices of cake around a donut. I suppose. What's a donut? Sticky. Especially if it's jam. How can you not know donuts? I thought this ship was full of Earth's treasures. Our cargo was carefully selected, I assure you. Everything here is necessary. Steph Fiacra. I'm the doctor. Mm. You're the captain? Oh, I prefer community leader. We're all equal here. We all share the same mission goals. Which are? Delivering the gift to Mother Earth. We want to seed new life. Help her to grow and flourish once more. You know, I met a Fiacra once. Bit of a hermit. Ended up patron saint of gardeners and taxi drivers. Ironic, really. All he wanted to do was stay home, put his feet up with a flagon of mead. Tay, you found an historian. Or possibly a comedian. Ah, jack of all trades, me. I even do a bit of knitting. You should see me run up a scarf. A renaissance man. How interesting. I have my moments. He said he fixes things. Both of them just turned up, along with their talking dog. They ran into some bother with one of the grubs. It's all right, Tay. I'll take care of this. What does the young man do? What are his accomplishments? 
Me? Hmm. Uh, I, I'm not bad at the guitar. Almost got the hang of D. Don't I know it? Yeah, I'm back. Good boy. I was worried. Oh, you brought Lyca, too? She brought me. She's a strong nose. Almost as good as mine. <laughs> so modest. Hey, hey, stop nudging. Talon. Oh, this must be the enhanced companion animal. Here, boy. What's the matter? Don't you want to say hello? <sighs> I don't talk to just anyone, you know. That was more than usually narky. You know what he's like, Doctor. Must be dinner time. Tay, you couldn't possibly... Sure, no bother. If it's all right, I'll take them along to the refectory. By all means. But I should like to speak to the doctor some more. I have questions. That's good. I have questions too. Stay in touch, Callan. You know how to reach me. Sure. Won't be long. Come on, you big nuisance. This way. We can go through the forest. He's a fine lad, that. Smart, kind to animals, learns stuff quickly, apart from stringed instruments. Why are you telling me this, Doctor? We've been travelling, looking for somewhere. A place he could start again. I understand. You think you may have found it? Uh, I don't know, maybe. A ship like this, full of Earth's resources, with crewmates like young Tay. Callan could be useful, and he wouldn't be alone. What about your own crew? Wouldn't you miss him? I made a promise I'd see him safe. I have to do what's right. The Greenwood is our promise. If Callum were to join us, his contribution would have to add favourably. He's not auditioning. He'd enhance your mission and you know it. Is that a fact? You show me this is a good place, I'll consider letting him stay. One moment. How about a little tour? Let's get to know each other, see if our respective needs dovetail. Does that mean welcome on board? Let's see. Shall we? Mushroom stew. It's usually pretty good. Do you want some? I'm not fussed. Listen, are we okay to talk here? Mm, oh, how about that table in the corner? Good plan. Now, Doyle, what's this about? Mm. Do we trust her? Why is your dog so judgy? He's used to looking out for me, that's all. Tay's all right, I reckon. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. If you're sure. It was when me and Lyca were herding. This man came, all sharp face and hunter instincts. He hurt the grub. How do you mean, hurt? He had a fire stick. He shot it over and over. Doyle might mean a power crook. The bio guardians have them for dangerous livestock. Go on, Doyle. What else? I didn't let on I could talk. That was smart. He drove the grub away. Lyca followed. He told her to go home, but she kept on. Good girl. Big finish for the love of stories.